Hello, everybody, and welcome to Boston Balling. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbut. It is an awesome time to be a Red Sox fan right now, I have to say. I am super happy, super excited, super, I don't want to say surprised, but in a little bit of a way, I am surprised. Um, and I'm just very, very excited right now and ecstatic. And I hope that all of you are, too, that are Red Sox fans and are tuning in. This is this is just um, this is great. There's so much to unpack here, so much Very to talk exciting. about, and yeah. just a lot to uh, discuss. So I hope everyone's having a great start to the week. It's Tuesday, so we only have three more days until the weekend, so that's nice. So I hope everyone's you know having a great night so far and and is enjoying it. And we um, are going to talk about a lot right now. So I'm pleased to introduce my guest that I have with me. Super talented, really, really knowledgeable about baseball and the Red Sox, super passionate about the team, has done a lot in the sports industry, um, and just is very, very knowledgeable. And I'm really excited to have her here with me. So Bree, how are you doing today? Thank you for that. Oh my God, that was so sweet. I'm doing great. Kind of doing a play-by-play -play action. I'm watching the NLDS right now and talking to you. So, you know, true sports fan at heart. I can't you yeah. know, just focus on one thing like all millennials. But, you know, I'm pumped to be here. Glad to talk about Red Sox with somebody who has the same type of baseball mind as I do. So I can't wait to chop it up with you. I'm really excited. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Yeah, this is, this is super exciting. I mean, I just said it before, but... The Red Sox, I mean, we've I've already said to so many people that this season has surprised us so much. Um it's been and crazy. It's, it's been crazy. so crazy. Like when you look at it, like first. all of those like late inning comebacks, like being down four runs, you would think, nah, the game's over. Like, absolutely not. Coming back yeah. and winning, like it's just crazy, like the amount of resilience this team has and like the willpower to get through those tough innings. It's just crazy. Yeah, exactly. I even think back to that last game of the regular season where they were down five to one against this the Nationals. The Nats, bro. What? And I thought they were going to lose that game when they went down five one. And I, in my head, was like, okay, looks like we're probably playing a play in game against Toronto to get into the wild card game at this point. Yeah, that was just, I, there was no words. I was like, are you guys kidding? Like, it's the Nats. Like, stop this. And finally, Devers got his head out of his ass and put us back on the map. And they won, thank God. And then you have the crazy wild card game against the Yanks. And let me just tell you, being there, it was wild, wild. I'm so jealous you went to the wild card game. I had to. I could have done that. I really wish I had done that. Like how yeah, the, the crowd even sounded so electric. Like I watched that um, the National League wild card game the next night after that, and it, the mm -hmm. environment just did not seem the same yeah. over there at Dodger Stadium. That Red Sox crowd at Fenway was so active and so electric from what I could see from watching it. Absolutely, and you have that rivalry, right? You have that like it's like ingrained in our DNA to hate the Yankees and vice versa. So then when you're seeing that this is a one and done, like win or go home, like you had to, you had to be loud. You had to support your team. And it was just bananas. It was electric, crazy. That is so cool. Cause yeah, I mean, it, I feel like at least when it's a series, you know, you can make up a game right. if you don't play well one game, like for example, right. against Tampa Bay, but like in that right. one game, you have to show up, and if you don't, then you're out. And that's like that's the most intense thing about the wild card game. You need right. to bring everything you have to that one game, or you're you're done. And that's the, that's the all you, exactly. You have to give it all you got because that's it. Like there's no redos. There's no oh best of five, best of seven. It's one and done. That's it. Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's why it's so intense. And I mean, Garrett Cole clearly didn't have it that night, and that cost the Yankees a lot and I mean he has struggled at Fenway this year but I I really was not expecting the Red Sox to just come out out of the gate like that but there, that offense was hungry and that was the offense that we are used to seeing all season that I feel like we had missed for the last like month or so of the season because there was a lot of frustration and it didn't really seem like the offense was playing with a lot of fire and energy exactly and right so like, that was concerning Something happened after the wild card. I mean, I'm sorry, after the all-star break, something yeah. like the, the wheels fell off. I don't know why. I don't know what happened. I have no idea what happened. And then you see that the Red Sox weren't themselves after that all-star break. And then to top it all off to like, you know, add insult to injury, 12 
players at one time on the COVID list. Are you shitting me? Like, how are you going to come back from that? That's weeks. And it, and it's not like it's like a football game or a Celtics game where there's like three days off in between Red Sox. You play every day. So yeah, when you're missing yeah. players for two weeks straight, that's 12 games. Like, yeah, they fell so far behind because of that. We were once leading the seat, leading the division. And then we I fell know. all the way down to like the fourth or fifth spot. That's not us. It just like, know. The hits keep on coming there. It was just, it, it got to the point where I was genuinely really feeling like they might miss the playoffs. Cause I was like, you so have Toronto I. and Seattle that are right on our tails right now. And they're yeah. both playing good baseball. And then the Yankees were obviously in there, but the Red Sox going on that losing streak is what got those other teams to stay in it. Because those right. teams were pretty far behind the Red Sox before that, but them going on that losing streak and just struggling for that long period of time after the All Star break, it just kept other teams in it, and it was Absolutely. it was just frustrating. Because I said this is not the team that we've seen all season, and this Correct. is a team that just doesn't seem to be doing anything right, and nothing can click. Like I mean, even all the defensive mistakes that was yeah. absolutely killing me too. Because I was like, it's almost like they're forgetting the fundamentals of baseball. Absolutely. And the base running errors. And I'm just like, I also, I will say this. I, I really did. I'm going to choose my words carefully. I really dislike our third base coach and I have for years now. I just don't think he's there anymore. Like I could do a better job. Like it stresses me out. So besides placing the blame on a coach, like there were a lot of mental mistakes, base running and defensively that really screwed the Red Sox. And then you have the injuries that, like I said, the COVID issues, all that, like Chris Sale, very inconsistent this year. And I understand he hasn't played for like two years because of the Tommy John injury and then, you know, rehabbing and coming back. You had, a, I was there for the game where he pitched that immaculate inning and he was doing great and we won like 10 to 2 against like whatever team that was and he pitched really well but then you see him pitching in the post and he can't get through one inning like yeah, what's going on is he hurt like is he still not 100 percent? can we not rely on him and that's going to be a really big question and a really big issue that we have going into this next series because we need all we got for the Astros and if we only can rely on Nate Evaldi and then like our bullpen, what, what does that say for our pitching staff? Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And I know there were a lot of people saying they wanted to see Sale start the wild card game, but I was happy that we had Evaldi lined up for that game. Because honestly, I mean, Chris Sale is Chris Sale, but Evaldi's been consistent pretty much all season and has been our most reliable starting pitcher all season. And he came mm -hmm. out and he gave pretty much the exact performance we needed from him in the wild card game. And I just think that Sale hadn't had enough time this season pitching yet for me to feel fully confident enough for him to start the wild card game. And that's why when he had right. to pitch that last game of the season, he didn't look good in that game either. The last game of the regular season against the nationals either. He didn't really look that great in that game. Then he can't even last one inning against the Rays, like you said. And right. so what, what is that? What does that do? It's Right. It's tough when like he's Chris Sale. Like, you know what I mean? Like everyone's gonna be like, oh, it's Chris Sale, like he's an ace and he's our guy that we rely on. He's our number one pitcher. But it's like, yes, maybe three years ago he was, but now you're dealing with all these injuries, all, all this other stuff that he's got going on. It's like he's not consistent enough to be the go-to guy. And thank God Nate Valdi has stepped up and has been that guy for us. Exactly. Yeah. And then I mean Erod. You have Erod, who did have a good start against the Rays in this series. And Shockingly, honestly, I, I, I don't know. I held my breath on that whole game because I was like, Erod starting, what? <laughs> right? The I was guy who started Erod. game one and did not pitch well. Well, the thing was, Pavel was supposed to start, and then all of a sudden, he goes in in the ninth inning. And pitches like whatever, however, where did it go to the 12th inning? I was like, why is he pitching five innings right now? And he was supposed to start tomorrow. Like, what is going on? I was thinking Who's that starting? too. I, I was, was thinking that no. too, because he was supposed to be the starter. So then it, I think Cora right. was really forced to go with Erod because he didn't really have another option for game four. And so I said, great. I don't really feel that confident seeing as how Erod pitched in game one. Right. But then we got to the point where he was, I mean, he pretty much did his job uh, in that game last night. I mean, that's exactly what we needed from him. But 
I don't trust that he's actually going to be consistent with those types of performances. And the Astros, that lineup is really, really tough. And granted, Tampa Bay is a dangerous team. And I'm really, really happy that we got past the Rays. But the Astros have just as dangerous, if not more dangerous, of a lineup than the I Rays. I mean, they just, scored, they just scored 10 runs on the road in this closeout game today. Uh, yeah. Not to say that the White Sox are on the same level as the Red Sox, which they are not. But... Um, when I look at our roster, right, okay, I look at our roster and I look at the batting order one through nine and I'm like stacked, 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 big bats, big bats. But the thing is they get into these slumps like all baseball players do. And I think they sank in that slump for a while and now we're seeing the bats going and getting active. It's like we're seeing 20 hits and we're seeing 10 hits and we're seeing all these like double digits in the call in the in the hit column, we're seeing a lot of double-digit numbers, which is great. However, if that's not reflecting in the runs column, that's the issue. Can't keep leaving these guys on base. And that's the real problem is we're leaving bases loaded with no outs. What are you doing? Ridiculous. What are yeah. you doing? It's like Unacceptable in the postseason, too. And here's what I think. And people think that I'm wrong when I say this comment, but I really don't care. Um, I'm a softball player, so I'm big on small ball. Uh, I'm the type of batter that I will bunt for a hit. I will bunt with two outs. I will bunt with two strikes, whatever. So they, I feel like the MLB in general, and I've kind of seen it a little bit in, in the postseason, which is crazy because I really didn't think they would do much bunting or small ball in the postseason. Um, but they need to, to uh, you know, use more of small ball in their actual play because when you have a third baseman literally in the grass – uh, like in between like left field and third base, why wouldn't you drop a bunt down? You know yes. that some of the pitchers are lazy and they're not going to come off the plate. It's too far for the catcher to come off the, the, the plate. It's like you got to just think smart. It's also if you know that, like, for example, Arroyo dropping down that sack bunt last night. Beautiful. Oh, that was perfect. awesome. Perfect, awesome. beautiful. 100% executed perfectly because you knew every time, no offense to Arroyo, I love Arroyo, but no offense, every time he got up to bat, it was an automatic out. Yeah. However way it was, a strikeout, a ground out, a pop it's out, true. whatever the fuck it was, he wasn't out. So I'm like, yo, great idea, Cora. Yes, bunt, move him over because it's going to be an out either way. Would you rather it be a ground, ground out double play? No. You'd rather him bunt it, move the guy over. They need to do that a lot more. Shake it up. You got to do, you got to kind of throw everything and the kitchen sink at this Astros team to get a win or to win this series. Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't need to be trying to hit a home run every time, which I feel exactly. like for a certain period of time, they were just trying to do too much at yeah. the plate and just going yeah. for the long ball all the time when in reality they know how to play small ball and we've seen it many times and that's what makes this offense stand out compared to other teams I feel like and so you don't need to try to hit a home run every at bat just try to play smart baseball and advance base runners steal bases and bunt bunt the ball or take uh, accept a sack fly and score yes. runs. it doesn't need right. to be a home run every time and I feel like they're starting to get back into that groove now which is good because it's the exact time they have to get back into that groove yes. but there definitely was a frustrating period where it came across to me like everybody was trying to overcompensate at the plate and do too much like when they lost two of three against the Orioles which right. in the last week of the season which was first of all unacceptable but second of all honestly I, I forgot about that because and I don't have a lot of and that's what they were doing. They were definitely just trying to do too much at the plate and overcompensate, which is I feel like if you look at offenses like the Yankees, that's a lot of what they have in general, just hitters that hit home runs and can't really do much else. And I think that's what makes the Yankees offense weaker. But the Red Sox don't do that. You have hitters that can play small ball and that can advance base runners. So if they can just play how they know how to play, I do think they can make it a competitive series against Houston. I mean, it's going to be tough. The Rays were a tough team too, but the Red Sox had all the momentum after they scored 14 runs in game two. Oh my so God. I think numbers. You love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I was like, can we do this so every crazy. day? Now I can actually relax right? and watch the game and not be stressed the whole time. But yeah. I do think 
Houston's a Houston's a good team. I mean, their pitching, their bullpen is definitely a downfall of, of theirs. So I think that that's something the Red Sox can take advantage of. But I am incredibly worried about our pitching staff and the bullpen. I mean, Ryan Brazier last night, that's a concern. Yeah. He, was, he had been doing so well, but he was not good last night. The only one in the bullpen that I feel fully confident in right now is Garrett Whitlock. Mm-hmm. And Tanner Hawk, I think both of those guys – um, if they are forced to come out the bullpen instead of starting a game, I have full confidence in both those two. Nobody else. Ottavino, Sia, Brazier, Sia, Barnes. I don't know what's going on with you. I don't even think we have him right now. I think he was taken off for some sort of injury or whatever. Like, I literally have no confidence in half our bullpen. Um, it honestly feels like we have to have our starters come in as relievers. Uh just to get the job done, which sucks to say. Um, that's definitely something that the Red Sox and the management need to focus on for uh, going forward for the next season is to, you know, improve their pitching staff because that's really the area that we lack the most right now. Like, it's it's insane. Yeah, that's, that's going to be something that seriously needs to be addressed in the offseason is the pitching. Yeah. And, you know, whether – who knows what's going to happen with the rotation next year? I mean, there's been talk that Garrett Whitlock might be a, become a starter at some which point, is, I'm fine with that. which is perfectly possible. I do think Tanner Houck, however, is better out of the bullpen than he is as a starter because as a starter, it's a longevity issue for him. I mean, he has good right. stuff, but I don't think he has enough stuff where he can go as much as deep into games really as we need our starters to go because you know well, it's also it's also really rare nowadays for some reason for starters to go past five innings like yeah back in the day they would go seven or eight and cry to not be taken out to try and pitch a full complete game so like for me to see you know starters only go four maybe five if you're lucky doesn't sit well with me because I'd rather have two or three pitchers pitch a game than four or five like what is the point of that? Yeah, exactly. Because in that, when and that, I liked it better when it was like that. When you would see right. your starter go a good six or seven innings, and then you'd right. see somebody come in and finish like the one, game. Two, three. Yeah, right. Yeah, or maybe two, maybe an eighth inning guy. That, that's right. the bridge to your closer. Absolutely. But now it's like you know you have a starter pitch four innings, and then it's somebody else comes in and pitches one or two, and then somebody else comes in and pitches the next inning, right. and you see a good right. like five pitchers every game. And that's also you know that's not really as good of a tactic either because then you're forced to use bullpen arms that could be resting right. that you could use in a future game. And I just feel like Alex Cora has tried to do what he could with what he has in the bullpen right, right now. But right. that's an area, a huge glaring weakness with this team is that bullpen because there's no reason that you, to have a 5 nothing lead in a game like last night and then allow the Rays to just tie the game. That's, that's, yeah. that's a huge, huge concern. And granted, Tampa Bay is a good team, but that's just a pattern that we've seen from the Red Sox all season this year is – that's the thing that there have been so many games like that where they did have a good lead and then they blew it. Yeah, absolutely. Not reliable right now. When you would look, if you would turn the TV on, say you weren't watching the game and you turn the TV on, you saw it was five, nothing. You'd be like, Oh, this game's over, whatever. And move on. No game has been like that where you were so sure that they were going to win with five, six, seven runs advantage. I was never, no, I was never comfortable. No, you're never comfortable. And um, the thing that, the thing where, what we were just talking about with like the pitchers and not being able to go uh, deep in the uh, game. It actually worked to our advantage last night against the Rays because third inning, they were down, they were already into their third pitcher. They literally went through seven pitchers last night. It was uh, really funny to watch. I felt, I felt their pain because that's literally us all the time. And then when I saw that Erod went back out to start the sixth inning, I was like, really? And then he went through one batter and then Cora was like, nope, you're done. We're done with you but I was like good effort I liked the effort but I'm glad that Cora is so smart I'll say this all the time in Cora we trust he is a genius with substitutions he is a genius when it comes to knowing when exactly to pull someone and when to insert someone into the lineup whether it's to pinch hit pinch run to to pitch like he knows exactly what to do and I know that his team respects him and trusts him and I know that Red Sox Nation does too. 
And that really, really shows, especially in the postseason, that this is a group of guys that really respect their manager and really like playing for him because the Red Sox play with fire and they play with passion and they play with heart. And I think Alex Cora is a big part of that. And I think he has a way of motivating his team, especially when it comes to the postseason. Because, I mean, this Red Sox team on paper shouldn't have been in the Rays. I mean, and, and shouldn't even be – probably shouldn't have even been a playoff team in the first place. Um, but they he has a way of really, really motivating his team and really connecting with his players, which is a big thing that's been pushed with him, I think. And you're right when you say, I mean, he's really, really good at knowing who to put in when and when to pull guys. And I did question his decision to even have Erod start the sixth inning last night. Sure I, was, I was a little hesitant about that because I said – I. This really might not go well. I mean, it could end up being a situation where he's in the game for too long. But as soon as Cora sensed something was wrong, he was like, okay, you're done. You're yeah. out. You know, like, we want to win this game. And I think that his his management of the pitching staff has helped them win a lot of games this year. Yeah, I think exactly what you said. Like, he has to work with what he has. So he was like, okay, let's see how much I can get out of Erod before I pull him. You know, it's one of those situations where he was doing really great. I think he had, like, six strikeouts. Like, he was on a roll. There, there really wasn't much, like, run uh, production from the Rays. He only, like, let one run, or I think it was to the point where he let maybe one run in five innings happen. And yeah. then, obviously, the bullpen kind of, you know, went off the rails um, with the runs with Brazier and everything else. But Erod did a really good job starting, and I, I had low expectations of him going into into the start of the game. And I think exactly what you said, Cora wanted to see how much he could really push from him before he was like, all right, let me get the hook out, and you're done. Yeah, because, you know, in Cora's mind, he was probably like, well, why not push it? a little bit, see how much I can get from him because then it just gives my bullpen more time to rest. Right. You know what I mean? And which is a good mentality because he saw that the Rays were wearing out their entire pitching staff. So he's like, why not do the opposite of that and just give our relievers just more time to be able to rest because we're going to need them going forward. And I think that that's a big managing thing that not every manager knows how to knows how to manage players like that in terms of when to pull them. And I think there are managers in baseball that will keep pitchers in for too long. And that really, really backfires on them. And we've seen that happen so many times. And granted, I mean, Cora's not perfect. I mean, he's made mistakes and he's had things happen that have backfired. But so far in this postseason, he's pushed pretty much all of the right buttons when it comes to this team and it comes to the pitching staff. And we have not really seen a ton of crucial mistakes, except maybe bringing Brazier in in the first place. But I do understand why he did because Brazier had been so dominant up to that exact point. So Mm -hmm. we didn't know that that was going to be the the day that he was going to not have a good outing. You know what I mean? Like, know that ahead of time. So I see the logic behind bringing him in but I would have loved to see Whitlock probably for two innings in that spot but you know it is what it is we won the game and it worked out but it was just hard to know you know it was just hard to know that Brazier was going to do that I mean Cora had no reason to really feel that way it's a gamble it's like he has to go with his gut and that's what he felt was the right choice and you know exactly what you said he's not always going to be right 100 percent of the time he's human he's got to make you know a choice and maybe that wasn't you know the right choice at that time but um the one thing i do want to speak about which might have been the turning point actually for for this whole series so i'm glad it did happen in a sense um the slap in the face that uh a rosarena gave to us when he decided to steal home up four runs. Oh, yeah, I know. That's such a good point. That must have literally lit the fire under the Red Sox ass because they won and didn't stop winning since that incident. Let me just tell you that. So genius of a Rosarena. That's the type of mentality I like. And And the thing that I'm worried about is I just saw it in Altuve today during the White Sox game, he was running to first, right? And it was a little bit of a tiny bit of an overthrow. Like, when I tell you, the ball was literally right next to the first baseman. He barely missed it. He took off to second, stole second, and then he took off to third and stole third. Like, this dude is like a maniac on the bases. But they are aggressive. 
That whole team is aggressive. And if we don't have that same sort of mentality, and also if we don't have the defense to be able to protect ourselves from that type of base running mentality and also that grit that the Astros have, it's going to be a quick series. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And that's something that helped the Rays win a lot of games this year. And that's something that sets them apart is they're very, very smart on the bases and they make a lot of really key places defensively. And so, and, and, and like you said, yeah, I mean, they're aggressive and they, they, they're very, very smart when it comes to in-game play. And they, they really fully understand the fundamentals of baseball more than a lot of other teams do. And you, you don't see the Rays making a lot of errors like other teams do when it comes to base running mistakes or defensive plays. And that was something that set the Rays apart. And the Astros are pretty similar to that yeah. in terms of that outlook on the whole thing. And so that's what the Red Sox need to know they're coming into in this series is the Astros are a tough team and they're going to come in with that mentality and the Red Sox need to do the same. And, I mean, the defense, the Red Sox defense has cost them games this year, and they, they've they given up a good amount of runs on just yeah. stupid defensive mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that's just frustrating as hell because, like, they're – you know what I mean? Because this is – they're more competent than a lot of the mistakes that they were making. Right. Dumb like, fundamental errors. And, yeah. and you got to think like, okay, our pitchers are struggling. Like we don't even have pitching help. So the, the pitchers relying on the defense to back them up when they're struggling or, you know, okay, you can't get a million strikeouts in a game. You're going to have to let a, you know, a fly ball happen or a ground ball happen or a line drive happen. You need to count on your defense to back you up and make those plays, especially the routine ground balls or the routine fly balls. Stuff should not be dropping. Stuff should not be getting by you. You're a professional. Get it done. Exactly. I mean, yeah, there's no other way to put it, really, because this is a baseball team that we know is better than that. So those types of mistakes do not cut it in the postseason. And I like what I've seen from them overall in the playoffs. They, They really, really cut down on those errors. But it was just frustrating the games that that were costed because of those mistakes, because these were errors that were so preventable and like they could have won a few more games had that not happened in the regular season. So they just need to be aware is the word I'd say to describe kind of what's going to happen in this upcoming series, because the Astros are not easy and they are very, very good at capitalizing on other teams mistakes. That's what one of the things I will say that I've noticed about Houston is they're very, very good at taking advantage of other teams mistakes. And so that's really something that the Red Sox are going to have to keep an eye on in this series. Yeah. Like if I see another goddamn rundown or Verdugo in a pickle trying to like overrun a clear ball that was a single, like, come on guys. Like they, like they're almost like too naive, young and hungry for their own good. Like I get it. You want to swing for the fences and you want to get home runs and this, that, the other thing, but you got to string along singles sometimes to get the runs on the board. Like you can't just stupidly overrun a sign or just overrun a bait. Like it's just basic fundamentals. That is the key to winning a game. You can't just ignore those. Yeah. Even last night with that Verdugo situation, with running to third when they tagged him out at third. I was so angry at that point because I no, said, if lost us the game, I am not going to be happy at all. Like, why? When you know that the th- that the um, the right fielder is shallow, you do not run. You do not run. Mm-hmm. Like, you never make the out at third base. You never, never do Exactly. That. Like, never. he should just stay at se- – that's a, that's one. That's just one example, though. That's yeah. one of those types of things where he should just know that. Right. He should know to just stay at second. There's no reason to try to just chance it and run to third because that, at the end of the day, ended the inning, and I was really worried that that was going to cost us the game because that would have been one of the biggest things I looked back at if the Rays ended up going ahead in the game after that. No, absolutely. It's like you when the game is on the line, when it's one of those things where it's a close game or whatever it is, you don't want to just give careless outs. Like yeah. you should never be the person that's just like, oh, they know that you're going to be an out because you made a stupid base running mistake or whatever. Like you need to be much more smart in that situation to know that that man could easily tag you out, like get, gun you out at third. Why are you doing that? Why? You're not fast. Yeah. 
<laughs> you're not finally zero reason to like, to what are you doing yeah it's I, like you there's no reason to try to overachieve and be a hero in that type of situation right. and, and i feel like that's something that that's the kind of mentality that has definitely thrown them off and cost them sometimes this year when people are just trying to do too much and be the hero whether that's at the plate or on the bases and it's unnecessary sometimes because it's like you know you can just stay at second you know what I mean and it's like I mean who's to say that you won't get moved over to third on the next at bat either it's just it's those types of things that really just irk me sometimes because I know that they know better than this but they it has costed them games when they just seem to just not think these types of things through. And it's like, this is just general baseball IQ. Right. You know, this is stuff that you as a professional baseball player should know. And there's no reason to try to be the hero or overachieve all the time, because that's not always going to win you games. Just do what you know how to do. And the rest will fall, will follow from there. You know what I mean? And so that's, that's something I will say that bothers me. It's just don't, don't try to be the hero all the time. I think they're just a very young team there. You know, this is, I've heard a lot of people say this is, this was supposed to be like a rebuilding year. Um, And um, no one really thought that they would, you know, go this far. They surprised a lot of people. Actually, Kike, Kike said, yeah, we're, we're surprising a lot of people, but ourselves, like we know what we're capable of doing. And I love that type of mentality, that quote, that type of drive. I really appreciate him saying that. Um, But I do think, you know, no one's perfect. I get it. There's going to be little mistakes here and there, but they need to hold themselves accountable and they need to, you know, be better than what they've been doing. Like these silly little mistakes, fundamental errors, silly base running mistakes. Like can't do that, especially not in the postseason. You got to move forward on that. Yeah. And I love Kike personally. I think that he was such an underrated addition to this team when the season started. I think people just – did not realize how much of an impact he was actually going to make here. But once he started really finding his stride in Boston, I think he's fantastic. I think he's a good leader um, for this team. Just somebody that has a really good personality to have in the locker room. And I think the fact that, you know, he's really blossomed um, at the plate too. And I think he's really finding a home at Fenway park. And I think that he fits in with a lot of the other personalities here. So I'm really, really happy to have him. And when we signed him, I was super excited, but I think a lot of people weren't really talking about it a whole lot. And I think it's because they didn't realize actually what Kike was going to end up growing into here. Right. Like his value. I think like people were so stuck on the fact that we gave up Mookie and we gave up price yeah. and you know, all goes to hell after that. And it's like, no, no, like that everything was back. look at Devers, like look at bogey. Like we have a really good crew. Like sometimes I get worried about JD Martinez because honestly, I feel like he's either a strikeout or a home run. Like I see a lot of lazy swings from him. He's, you know, He's not as consistent as where I want him to be. Um, but Bogey, Devers, like Verdugo, Kike, Hunter, Schwarber. Hunter and Schwarber, we need to keep forever. I'm I love Hunter Renfro. He's one I'm of the best offseason additions in all of baseball, I'd say. Obsessed with them. They just brought that energy. Like, they brought that missing piece to the puzzle that we were needing, that we were looking for. They definitely added a spark to the batting order. They brought big bats. They had brought big personalities. And it's just so fun to watch. Like I, like I said, our whole batting order, one through nine, I honestly don't think we have a weakness. And my one weakness before the Vasquez walk-off was Vasquez. And and it's kind of like a notorious thing that catchers and pitchers don't hit well for some reason. I don't know why. They just don't hit well. And when I, you know, when I heard that Vazzy really, you know, you know, stepped up and got that walk off. I was like, nice. Like that's such a good ego boost for him because he's technically our captain in my, in my opinion. And, um, it was good to see that one through nine could get it done in the batting order for once. Yeah. And that's, That's something that had seemed to be an issue with this Red Sox team beforehand was that one through five relatively were pretty productive at the plate, but then that bottom half of the batting order, we were like, we're not getting much productivity from them. And I feel like the addition of Kyle Schwarber at the trade deadline really, really helped with that because it allowed Cora to move people around. So like JD's been moved further back into the batting order, Verdugo got moved down. And so I feel like 
acquiring Schwarber just created more flexibility in terms of the lineup and in terms of where people are hitting, which just created more productivity from the bottom of the order. And it's been working. No, totally. Because the issue was going into this year was who's going to be lead off. And exactly. it didn't seem like Kike really wanted to be lead off. Like Kike, Kike's great, but I don't think he wanted that role. And for me, I don't like the lead off role. I'm a two spot <laughs> or a not. <laughs> You're like, still to start everything, but yeah, but I don't like the first, the lead off. I don't. And, um, that's like a hard role to have, even as a baseball player. Like, I get that the the leadoff is supposed to be like, okay, you're get your the percentage of you being on base is high. You're gonna lead it off, and you're gonna start, and we're gonna have a man on first, and that it is what it is. But I don't think he liked that pressure, and he didn't want to be the one spot. So they had to like the whole season. Core has been juggling the lineup, juggling you know who's playing where as well as who's batting where, and um. The fact that I that I saw JD Martinez batting in like the sixth spot last night, I'm like, what? Yeah, really? The sixth spot? What is going on? It was the furthest down he's ever been all ever. season, right? Ever? Like what? So like that was interesting. But the fact that like these players are so adaptable that they're like, okay, I'm not in the three spot. I'm now in the six. Okay, cool. Like let's do it, which is great. Like, you need to have that type of attitude. Like, I hate the divas. Like, yeah. for example, Garrett Cole, who will literally scream at his coach if he's been told that he wants to be taken out of the game. It's like, no, like, you need to do what your coach says because it's what's best for the team, not you. It's not an individual sport. It's a team sport. So if your coach is saying, okay, yes, you've been doing good in the three spot, but I want you to move to the six spot because it's going to be better for our team. You just got to do it. I don't think I've... I honestly don't think there's one negative person in our dugout, in our bullpen, in our ball club that's going to give Cora an ad to. I really don't. Yeah, I that that's a really good point, too, is I really don't feel like there are any players like that on this Red Sox team. And they're all the types of guys that they just want to win and they want to be able to work together as a team to win because they know that it's about the team and making decisions that are best for the team. And I really can't see somebody like, you know, Kike giving Alice Cora right. all the time about having to no. hit a different spot in the batting order. You know what I mean? I just feel like that's, and that's something you need to go to make a deep run into the postseason. I feel like is you need players that are going to be adaptable in that way and that are going to just, trust the manager and trust that he's making decisions that he feels are best for the team at the time. Because at the end of the day, if you don't do what's best for the team, you're not going to win. And that to me is, is more so what's gotten the Red Sox to where they're at now is the fact that the the players are so adaptable and they want to just do what's best for the team to win, but also that chemistry. Cause I feel like they have a chemistry that a lot of other teams don't have. And you see that locker room mentality be brought out. And I mean, you know, like their, their little laundry cart celebration, for example, yeah, and their like, laundry oh, cart, they have the dancing on their own sing-alongs. Like they exactly. feel like a family. I think they are family. And yes, sometimes families fight, but I really didn't see any of that adversity this year. Like, yeah, like there was a low point where what we won, maybe we lost what maybe max 10 games in a row, which obviously was, look, we don't want to think about it. It didn't happen. We pretend like it didn't happen, but you know, they really came together to fight that adversity of that little, you know, blip after the all-star break where, yeah, they had a lot going on. They, they were out 12 players for COVID and, you know, Chris sales arm isn't perfect and our bullpen kind of sucks and whatever, like they ended up getting through it all and look where they are now. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing that I think a lot of people were thinking about was, you know, this team is not playing like they want to win. They're just playing like they're just going through the motions and it seems like they just don't care about making the postseason and all this other stuff. And I get the frustration. I mean, they they did go through a period where they were definitely struggling and we're not playing Red Sox baseball the way that we know that they know how to play. And right. I was like, what is going on here? Some something happened. Either they right. either with their confidence or like they just are really in a massive slump that they just cannot figure out how to get out of. And that's right. just as concerning. So I said, but there's something going on here. And Alex Cora obviously said something that changed their attitudes at some point during that stretch because how they're playing now 
I'm, I'm really starting to see glimpses of that first half team that right. we saw all of the first half that yeah. was never out of any game that was battling back and really, really trying to fight every single game. And we, I mean, we've seen it, you know, luckily in the postseason, they haven't really had to be in a lot of situations like that where they had to come from behind and win games. It was a lot of times games where they, you know, they just were, they had a lead or they were just, definitively playing better baseball but the mentality behind that is what I'm seeing more now of that we saw the entire first half of the season before the all-star break and I think you know Bloom got criticized for the all-star break and for the trade deadline for not doing enough at the trade deadline because people were like well something changed in this team after the all-star break and then the trade deadline comes up when they were already struggling Mm -hmm. people think he didn't do enough but again, look where they are now. I mean, I think Hansel Robles has been a good addition to the bullpen. I think he's one of the few that has been relatively consistent in terms of his um, performances, especially down the stretch. I think lately he's been pretty good. And then obviously, I mean, it goes it goes without saying that obviously Kyle Schwarber yeah. on offense has made a big impact to this team too. And so, I mean, so many people were criticizing his – lack of moves at the trade deadline yeah and now look where the team is now in the ALCS then you have the Yankees who went out and get Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo just to lose in the wild card game so I mean it's you really can't criticize Heim Bloom for what he really has done up to this point because he also has done a lot to improve the farm system which is something that this team has lacked for a while that needed to be addressed so the people who were really criticize every criticizing everything that he's done. It's very, very difficult for them to do that now because look at where this team's at now. Right. And if they were, they'd be like picking with a fine tooth comb to find something to complain um, about yeah, him exactly. right now. But a- another addition that we kind of seem to forget just because he's not eligible uh, for the postseason is Jose Iglesias. Love, love that guy. He's amazing. My that only regret. He did so much when he was here. That's what I'm saying. My only regret is that we picked him up too late and he wasn't able to make it onto the roster because he would have been fantastic at second base. Not that Arroyo isn't doing great, which he is, but Jose also has the bat behind it. So um, hopefully we keep him for next year um, because we do need a solid second baseman and it's good to have like Arroyo or whoever as a backup. And then that dude, Duran, he was good. Yeah, Yeah. he was good. Um, Obviously a baby. (laughs) <laughs> Very young. Um, he still needs more experience for really sure. Needs some, yeah, needs some more reps, needs some more experience, but he was a great addition as well. Um, I think that the Red Sox really have what it takes to be top contenders in the league. Um, it's just trying to put all the pieces together to make set, to make it make sense and to make it um, like you said, longevity. Like we need to be able to find the pitching staff that can, go longer in the innings and we can have more confidence in them to go the innings that we need them to go. Because that's really the, when I look at it, when I look at us on paper, that's really the only real area we're lacking in is just having that starting pitching help and even a little bit of the closing help too. I think in the middle, the relievers aren't terrible. Um, but again, it's not on them. Like it's on the starters to get us in a good position and it's on the closers to close the game out. The relievers, they don't have that much pressure, so we don't really judge them as harshly. So we need to try and find some arms in this offseason so that we can stay competitive going forward. Yeah, and that closing spot, I mean, ever since Craig Kimbrell was gone, there hasn't been a real closer on this team. So that's the issue is that, yeah, we wanted to try it out with Matt Barnes, who before the all-star break was tremendous. I mean, he was an all-star closer in the entire first half of the season. And then something changed for him in the second half too. So that got to be concerning. So I said, well, then who's going to close games? They tried right. it without a Vino. That didn't really work as well either. They've tried it with Robles, which the last couple times he's closed games have been pretty successful, but Overall, you can't really pinpoint anybody besides maybe Garrett Whitlock, but it's probably only because he's the most reliable reliever right now. You can't really pinpoint anybody that you can say confidently, this guy can close games for this team, and that's a huge issue. And, I mean, even with the middle relievers, I mean, 
I think Josh Taylor overall this year has been pretty good. I think that yeah. he obviously he struggled at the beginning of the season, but overall he's been pretty good. Sawamora has had his struggles too. I mean, this year. I mean, yeah. that guy, yeah. I mean, he, he's been through kind of yeah. a lot too, but he's uh yeah. he's had his struggles too. And I just think yeah. there's a lot of names in that in, in, just in the bullpen in general that I think yeah. there really needs to be some evaluation when it comes to some of those guys. Cause you wonder if they keep players like Adam Adovino or if they, you know what I mean? Like, what do they do with these guys? Like I, I know Garrett Richards can go too. someone on Twitter got into it with me about Garrett Richards. And I'm like, listen, I don't really care how he's doing as a reliever. We brought him in as a starter, and he sucked as a starter. Okay, maybe he's doing okay as a reliever, but, like, that's not what his job was. And then you had him maybe – like, you even tried to throw him in as a closer one game. I'm like, what is going on? Like, he's not reliable to me at the end. Like, if I'm watching every single game that's on TV, I've watched all the games. And if I'm saying this guy sucks or this guy isn't worth being on my team, I'm going to tell it to you straight. Like, that's how I felt. I need someone that's reliable. I need someone that's going to produce outs for me. Yeah, Garrett Richards has not shown that he can be reliable consistently. Like, he'll have good days, but they come every once in a while, and they're kind of trickled in, and then you have the rest of his outings that are just bad. You know what I mean? And that's not good. He hasn't pitched once. He has not pitched once, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, I I mean, Alex Cora definitely knows what he's doing with that. He doesn't trust him, which is – for good reasons. I mean, the guy is not reliable because he's off and on. And when he's on, th- those few times we saw him when he was on, I was like, can we get this Garrett Richards all Yes, year? I'm like, I would love to have this guy. I wish he was here for the beginning of the season because what the fuck? Yeah, and Martin Perez is another one too, though, that uh, just has been yeah. awful. And I mean, I was hoping, I had, I was really, really hoping that when he got moved to the bullpen, that he would start to maybe thrive in that role and that that might be a better spot for him. But it just yeah. doesn't seem to be working in general with him. So he's another one that I would say. And then we had like Darwinson Hernandez and Valdez and we had all these different guys and it just yeah. really wasn't work. Like we just couldn't find it. It just wasn't working. And like, I don't know. Like, and then when you brought up the all-star game or whatever, uh, that Matt Barnes was an all-star pitcher, you know what else was kind of a slap in the face was that we had five players from the Red Sox on the All-Star team. And then we looked like absolute shit after the yeah, All-Star. That's why it's embarrassing. That was, that's I was why so it's embarrassing. Like, we, had the most, we had the most people playing for us in the All-Star break, in the All-Star game, and, and then look at what we did after. Like, they were probably like, how did these people even make the All-Star team? Like, what's going on? This is <laughs> not the same team. Not it's not. Like, these guys aren't good. Like, what, is, what, yeah. what are people thinking by They're voting for game losing streak, but sure, they have five All-Stars. It's like, what? Yeah, I mean, it's that's it was really embarrassing. And, and I was like, yeah, I mean, they blew that division lead, which – so yeah, at the end of the day, I still think that the Rays, in terms of the regular season, were the best team in the division. They are just not a postseason team. They're not really built to win it all in October. Yeah, they and just choked. That's, that's the choked. thing about Tampa Bay is, I mean, last year I really, really did think they had a chance, and then Kevin Cash kind of blew it with a bad managing mistake in game six against the Dodgers. But yeah. overall, I do, don't think the Rays are a team that's built for October. I think you look at teams like the Red Sox and the Astros and the way they're constructed and also experience the Rays are a much younger team too um mm-hmm. and I think just the Red Sox and Astros are teams that are better built to play in October than a team like the Rays and even the White Sox I mean I was kind of hoping that they were going to come back because I would feel more confident playing the White Sox than I would the Astros right now I think but the, yeah. even the White Sox are a pretty young team and I think they're up and coming and they're heading in the right direction but they just yeah. weren't quite ready yet I think they had an easier path because they were in a not great division so their path to get here wasn't as difficult as teams like the Rays and Red Sox who were in the best division in baseball which it was the AL East was the best division in baseball this year and people can't really say anything else because I mean you had four teams in that division that could have been playoff teams and won over 90 games which is insane to me but I mean I do I think the White Sox are a good team but I just think that people didn't really get to see their really how good they actually are because a lot of the teams in their division weren't as good this year. So they just kind of, their path was different. So that's why I said I didn't even see them getting past the ALDS because I think that they just didn't have 
they just weren't equipped enough to beat a team like the Astros. But then you look at a team like the Red Sox, who surprised everybody and came out and just really, really handled it in the ALDS. And you could just see how much they wanted to win and how much they wanted to prove people wrong because they know what people thought of them going into the season. They were really aware of that. And they said, yeah. you know, I remember Kike saying, don't sleep on us. But people right. did anyway. And right. now here we are and everybody's realizing like, wow, maybe I shouldn't have slept on the Red Sox this whole time. Definitely. You know? Looking forward um, to the series that we have coming up starting Friday. Uh, I'm, excited. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm a little nervous. Obviously, you, you would prefer to have home field advantage to start off a series like that. Yeah. I'm glad that it's a best of seven and not a best of five. I like that. Yeah. That, that cushion helps me, you know, sleep at night a little better. Um what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think it's going to be a, like a back and forth? Do you think we're evenly matched? Or do you think that um, the Astros are just a lot in better shape than we are? I, I do think it's going to be a lot closer series than people might think. I think it goes at least six games, maybe seven. I, I, I really actually am pretty convinced it's going to go at least six. I think the key for the Red Sox is going to be to take one of those first two games in Houston. Yeah. If they can take yeah. one of those first two games in Houston, then that's going to be huge because then they have three games in a row at home. So mm -hmm. that's going to be big because losing two games in a row on the road is going to be hard to come back from after that, even though you have – home field advantage for three games because then you're leaving Houston with really only needing to win one of those games and then closing yeah. the series out at home. So I think if they can split those two games in Houston, that's going to be one of the biggest keys for me because then I'll feel better about going back home because then even if they take two at home and lose one game, like they're still up three, two in the series. And then they just need to win one more game after that. So I think those first two games are going to make all the difference in setting the tone for how the rest of the series goes. So that's going to be really huge to me is being able to win one of those games on the road. And, but if the offense keeps hitting the way they've been hitting, I think that Astros bullpen is really going to struggle because the bullpen is definitely the biggest glaring weakness that I can think of for Houston right now. And so I think they're they can have going to have a lot of trouble pitching to this lineup if the lineup is continuing to hit the way that they are. Yeah, it's just like um, I'm worried about our pitching, obviously, like who? Yeah, yeah. Who, yeah. Well, yeah. who are we going to have? Is the pitching going to hold up? I don't know. We'll see. Well, like, who would you – like, if you were Cora and you have everybody available Friday except Erod, right? I'm assuming he's yeah. the only one that's probably not going to be yeah, able. everybody else because everybody else will have had enough rest to be able to be available. Yeah, I'm assuming he's the only one that, like, probably won't be able to play at all. Who would you start? I mean, so let's see. So probably – at this point, I mean, we had a Valdi start recently. Sale started recently. I mean, I could see him probably. I mean, at that point, it, it might be oh probably Sale that makes the most sense at that yeah, point right? because of like in terms of rest, I guess yeah. maybe yeah. that it probably would be Sale, but. His right. last couple starts have concerned me to the point where I don't know how confident I am in Chris Sale right now. I Evaldi is who I trust the most, but the question is, has does he will he feel like Evaldi has had enough rest to start that day? So that's going to be, I think, the biggest thing there. I, I think Evaldi could do it, but the question is, does Cora want to take that chance when he has other starters that have rested longer, or do you let somebody like Pavetta start? You know what I mean? There's a lot of directions he can go, but I feel like it might end up being Chris Sale if he takes into consideration everything that happened in the last couple of games and the fact that Sale probably in terms of rest time is the most equipped to start. But it's also what Sale are you going to get? Are you well, going to the question? That's the question because his last couple starts were concerning. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Are you going to get the Sale that can't pitch one inning or are you going to get the Sale that can go five and give you like six strikeouts and it'd be fine. Like that's, you, don't know. you never know. Yeah. It's a huge gamble, huge risk. I agree. I think like what you said, you have to, it's, it's not a question. You have to take one on the road. You have to get yeah. a win on the road. Yeah. There's no, uh, there's no, uh, if they don't take one of those first two on the road, I'll be very, very worried. Yeah. You're, you're going to be like, all hope is lo not lost, but like most hope would be lost at that point. If you go down Oh two against the Astros. Exactly. Um, my thing is, you like, it's tough because it's like, 
if you think you're going to win the first game on the road, because they both have the momentum, they both just came off wins. Red Sox are what now on a three game win streak, four game win streak. Yeah. And same with the Astros. It's like, you got to put out your best guns blazing first game. So, but who is that? Is it sale to you? Like I, like I'm trying to think like how to me is Evaldi. Like the absolute best okay. option to start is Evaldi because okay. I think he's the most consistent and most reliable. Um, and what the last time he pitched was what, like four the other days, day. four days ago? Yeah. So, what, so it is. It is a possibility he could go with him. Yeah, yeah, because that was the day that he pitched, and then Pavetta came in, right? So that was what Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was, it, that, was, it? <laughs> that was the insane game that went like thirteen innings. Right. So maybe you do start Evaldi. Maybe. I, I mean, it, it's it's hard to really say what we're going to do, but I do actually think Evaldi's more reliable than Sale right now. I agree because he's not hurt. He hasn't had that lingering injury over him. So I do think yeah. Evaldi has definitely been our number one guy. As much as you want it to be sale, it's not going to be. Um, but if all the absolutely has to start at least game one or two, like there's no chance you don't see him game three or four. Like you're going to see him game one and two. You have to. Like there's no I, – I would be very shocked if Cora doesn't start him for one of those first two games in Houston. I would, I would – I mean, I would too, yeah, because you want to put your best, your best out there. And, I mean – the fact that Chris Sale is coming off of a start where he couldn't get out of the first inning, that to me makes me feel like I don't know if if I don't think Cora would want to start somebody like that in the first game when we know right. how important winning the first game is. Or I mean, Cor- I mean Sale's lucky that the bats were alive that that night too because yeah, based on what we saw from Chris Sale because they went down in that game and then the the bats came out like guns blazing. So Sale's right. lucky that the bats were really active that night but I mean I it could be a baldy I wouldn't be at all surprised if it is I but I and I do think that ultimately that is the best choice because I think he's the most reliable starter and yeah. at least you know for the most part what you're going to get from him and you don't really know that with sale right now right and if you want to like set the tone and you want to like make a statement and you want to put like your best foot forward that's what I would do yeah, that, that I agree with you, and I think it's I tr- I mean, I trust Cora. I think Cora's going to oh, make yeah. the decision he feels is best, and I think it also could depend on who the Astros decide to start. Also, what pitcher they bring do out. Do they there. not know that though? Like when he chooses who he starts, like do, do they know ahead of time like what their lineup, the opposing team's lineup, is going to be? Sometimes I, 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 it really just depends on like whose lineup gets released first. I feel like because um, it's like, like what if they don't like tell each other like who's starting or whatever until like ten minutes before game time, and then it's like, oh, I'm gonna just completely change it. Yeah, I mean, and Cora, I wouldn't put him past put that past oh, him change it? either because he's done oh, yeah. it before. And oh, so yeah. I think, yeah, I think my I would feel most confident if it was a Baldy starting. But I could see him possibly going with Sale um, for that game. But, I mean, it's either way, we need a good start from whoever that's going to be. Yeah, well, <laughs> but, um, and you're right, too. Like, you got to also look – I'm sure Cora is going to look at all the analytics and all the tape and all of whatever. But you also got to look at who pitched during this Astros series. Like, who pitched when and who's going to be available for them to kind of, like – process of, of elimination yeah. know who they're going to go with and then exactly. he has like, it's like which, which starters yeah. do they have that have the most rest right, right, right. now you know what I mean so like that's probably who they're going to go with and I'm sure Cora is going to look into all of that anyway oh, yeah. he's going to be like crunching numbers and crunching data way into the night for the next couple of nights until Friday which sure. you should be doing. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, but also nervous. And I think it's going to be a fun series. I do think, I mean, I don't, I'm not counting this team out. A lot of people yeah. counted them out against Tampa Bay and they absolutely killed it that series. So I am, um, I'm excited. I think they have the momentum and the energy to be able to do it. I just think that they need to just keep the bats moving. And I think they have just as good of a chance as the Astros of winning that series. And I think it really has the potential to go at least six games, if not seven. Yeah. Um, to crush all the souls of the Yankees fans, that helps too. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. They they were. I feel like they That's were motivation. 
in pieces on Twitter last night, like even more upset than I feel like Rays fans really even were. And I, it just bothered them so much that the Red Sox actually beat the Rays. Yeah. It's now so it's Yankees the- fans said the Rays were going to sweep the Red Sox. Yeah, and now it's like they have to they have to root for the Astros, like, <laughs> which they hate. They're like, I cannot believe more. They were like, I cannot believe I'm finding myself rooting for the Astros right now. Right, too funny. But yeah, no, I um I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a super fun series. Hopefully, it's um ends up in our favor. Yeah, I hope it's I hope that it's intense. I hope that it's everything we want it to be, and that it just ends up work going in our favor, like you said. Yeah. I agree with you, especially against a team like Houston. I mean, come on, like beating them would would be would be nice. Um, but sure. I'm I'm so excited. Um, I'm really really glad you were able to join me on the show. This was me fantastic. Too. Great conversation. So this hour f- absolutely flew by. No, um, we didn't even get to talk about the Celtics. Maybe next time. <laughs> yeah, no, don't worry. There's always a next time um, for that too. But I just got so caught up in all this Red Sox talk no, because there is a lot to unpack and I really appreciate you joining me. I'm definitely going to have you on again and everybody yes. please, please check her out on social media, Twitter, Instagram. She does a fantastic job covering the Red Sox and the Celtics. Um, I always enjoy us when we interact on Twitter about like the team when they're not playing well and how angry we are. Yeah, we some promotion on there. <laughs> yeah, um, I really appreciate as always everyone tuning into the show um go Red Sox I hope that they crush this upcoming series against Houston it's going to be really really tough and um but I have faith in my guys I think that they will do well and I think positive vibes figure it out exactly yeah so (laughs) thanks again everyone I hope everybody has a great rest of your night and I will talk to you all next time